you have a passion, hobby or expertise and want to share it with the world, why not do a podcast? The PodStation offers a wide range of packages to make this a reality, ranging from training and support for those who have no idea where to begin, to podcasters who just need somewhere to host their show. With prices starting at a mere £15 per month, you can now get involved in one of the fastest growing entertainment forms in the world without all the headaches. To find out more, visit thepodstation.co.uk forward slash station dash packages. And remember, those with passion, podcast. You're listening to The Business Spotlight, exclusively on The Pod Station. Welcome everyone to the first ever Business Spotlight podcast. My name's Matt Pollard, I'm the owner of the pod station and one of the reasons why we wanted to set this up was first and foremost at the time of doing this recording we're in the midst of a pandemic crisis so the world has quite frankly gone to rack and ruin and we are trying to give as many businesses as possible an opportunity to get themselves out there, get themselves seen, have their fantastic services taken notice of, and for them to give some advice and some tips that might be useful for you, the listeners, so that you can go in and hopefully make your life a little bit easier in what is a challenging time. Obviously, this pandemic, well, one hopes, or else we're wandering into the Walking Dead scenario. Uh, hopefully, at some point, this this crisis will come to an end and some form of normality will resume, in which point this show will be a, a great means of you getting information that will be beneficial to you, your business, uh, your learning skills, your knowledge, etc. Uh, so I've got, for the first show, we have... Sarah Webb from E2E Integration, who is going to be giving us some really useful tips which are quite timely on technology and how it can be applied to your benefit, particularly at this time when we're all locked in our houses. So, hi, Sarah, how are you doing? Hi, Mark, how's things? Very good. We're recording this with social distancing rules being applied, (laughs) so we are doing it from the comfort of our own home. Uh, Sarah and I have already introduced one another to our hoodies, which we are wearing in the comfort of our own home. Sarah's looks far more comfy and cosy than mine and has ears as she pops them up, which looks fantastic, by the way. Uh, So we're going to be going through some questions. Now, I didn't want to do this alone because I get bored of my own voice at the best of times, but particularly because uh, he does such a fantastic job on another show that we've been doing. Uh, So I've brought in the magnificent Dave Forrest from Myriad Mortgages. He's going to help quiz Sarah. So anything that I certainly miss out, hopefully Dave will pick up and vice versa. How are you doing, Dave? Hello, Mark. How are you? I'm not too bad. Now, you've just moved out, which uh, couldn't have been the best timed move in the world. Not really. A bit strange. Yeah, moving house when you possibly shouldn't, but um, we had to do it. We'd exchanged contracts, so it was one of those where we had to really go through it legally. Um, but it was a bit more stressful than possibly usual, but, you know, like anything, you, you sort of adapt, don't you? You do indeed. And almost like a seamless segue, it should be mentioned that you're working from home at the moment because, of course, you're yes. not an essential worker, so you are stuck within the confines of your four walls. 
having just moved in and how long yeah. was it that uh, your internet provider said it would take for them to uh, hook you up to normality well we moved in on the 30th of 30th of march and uh, made the inquiry about moving and he said it'll at least be the first of june before we could even get to you wow so that was one of the mainstream sort of things and you can understand why they've got to come in the house and set it up so sort of like best part of two months initially with nothing no telly no internet um and you know trying to work from home and keep your business going so it's sort of without internet yeah without internet fortunately there are technological solutions aren't there sarah Oh, yes, there certainly are. It is actually, um, broadband is going to be the biggest challenge, really, to people being able to work remotely and work from home. Um, there are other solutions out there. You don't actually have to just rely on broadband. There are um, 4G-enabled routers, which I believe is what Dave Scott enabled. Yeah. Is that right, Dave? Yeah, yeah, managed to, um, through one of our good friends and someone you deal with, Sarah, on the, um, sort of the, you know, the, broadband they've, they've put me a temporary sort of like mobile broadband in which which is is good and and does its job for, for a temporary sort of measure but i think that is one of the key factors about it and um it infrastructure and keeping us all working on online it's actually the you know it's a collaboration of different providers and different suppliers yeah. that all do their bit to all work together and get everybody in the same place at the same time. Yeah. Well, just one one question on that. You you see, and and sort of the businesses we're in, we've talked about for years, haven't we, about this contingency planning. And whenever we talked about that as a business and as a director of a business, that's always got to be part of what you do. And certainly from my business as a financial business, you know, the FCA would say, right, what's your disaster planning? What's going to happen? Yeah. And yet, yeah. while, while we would write that down and have it, we never actually ever thought that we'd ever use it. You know, no. there's, not, there's not going to be an earthquake. There's not going to be a volcano. But we're now at no. this point where this Absolutely. is here. And I think it's a really interesting point. I, I know business continuity should be on everybody's agenda, no matter if you're an employer, a business owner, a director or an employee. And there's no yeah. hierarchy in that at all. It's just yeah. what people do. But everybody really has to think about okay so how do we carry on if something does happen it's something you know um we've been trading since 2011 but we've been in the environment for 20 odd years and it's something that was huge back then people were having empty offices with empty tables and empty chairs so that they could just physically move their business if needs be if properties became destroyed etc world's moved on since then but in order to replicate what you're doing day to day in the office, you do really need to understand the um, IT infrastructure that needs the investment and the thought behind to make sure you can keep on working. IT seems to be seen as an expense um, that isn't always necessary, but it is the backbone to every business. And without it, as as everybody's beginning to see, if it's not right, it causes a massive headache. What sort of steps should people be looking at them for continuity for a disaster recovery? Well, I think the the key to it is business continuity and disaster recovery. You need to look at what will go wrong if I can't trade for 24 hours? What actually is essential for me to be able to trade? Because in this day and age, if you're losing traction for 24 hours, that could be a massive impact to your business or it could be minimal. It depends on your business. For most people, it will be big because it will be big missed opportunities because we move so fast. The world changes in 24 hours. 
And then you look at what is essential for your business and what you would actually need from an infrastructure perspective in place to be able to get working as quickly as possible. Now, that may be that you ensure that everybody has a business laptop that actually is fit for purpose. Now, that might seem a very strange thing to say, laptop's a laptop, right? Unfortunately, it's not. Your laptop has specific functionality and you need to ensure the laptop can do the job you need it to do. And it may be that you need more ports, et cetera, et cetera, to be able to connect you in. It's really simple things that with a tiny bit of thought, you can really mitigate those situations. So actually, when things go wrong, you can just quickly move over to your alternative solution. But it does take a bit of thought up front and it takes a bit of planning and then you build that into your day-to-day business continuity. One of the things which really comes into play as well is GDPR, isn't it? Huge. We've suddenly decamped at home. Everybody's working at home. Everybody's yeah. throwing data all over the place. And, and this stuff yeah. we've built over the last two, three years from GDPR point of view has suddenly gone out the window almost. So that's a massive... Just to clarify, I am actually a GDPR specialist. I'm a data protection officer um, in the education environment and in the commercial sector. GDPR hasn't gone away and it will never go away. It's law. And if you are unlucky enough to breach because your business continuity hasn't actually planned in how you're going to deal with GDPR, then unfortunately the ICO is still going to come down on you and you will still have breached and all of the laws will still apply. It's a sad fact, but it's true. And unfortunately, we have to be very mindful of that. And that leadership needs to come from the top of every business so that every employee knows where their their liabilities are and knows what's expected of them. Even simple things like locking your work away at night, making sure your laptop's switched off at night, making sure your laptop's password protected, your phones are password protected. All of that will go towards GDPR compliance. Another big threat is that your data protection officer or your GDPR go-to in your business may end up becoming ill or their family member may become ill so they can't work. If that happens, you need to appoint somebody to step into their shoes because as it stands right here now and now, we have that 72-hour window to report all breaches to the ICO. But we also then have to investigate what's happened with the breach. We have to go out to all of your clients and let them know that there's been a breach, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a lot of work. So somebody needs to take ownership within your company that they will be able to do that. If they can't do it, if you've got nobody, then I can do it for you. I can offer you an emergency GDPR consultancy and DPO service that can help you through until your nominated person is actually back in seat for you. Well, with it being at this moment in time, April 2020, um, I'm hesitant to ask this question because anyone who doesn't know the answer to this is probably in a bigger pile of poo than you'd probably otherwise (laughs) expect. But for the benefit of those people who are thinking, what on earth is she on about when she says GDPR? Do you want to just briefly explain it? Because if people aren't aware, this is probably Um, the perfect time to get on board, get understanding and get things in place. Sure. So GDPRs are General Data Protection Regulations, and it came into play in May 2018. The whole point of GDPR is to protect us as individuals from data fraud. That's the bottom line. It's there to protect us from people selling our data without our permission, from people using our data without our permission. 
so that we mitigate the risk of identity theft and fraud and everybody having money stolen, etc., etc., etc. It's a fantastic law from an individual perspective. But alongside that, businesses have liabilities to ensure when they're holding personal data, it's kept safe and secure. And it's about from the second it comes into your business, how it comes in, how you look after it in your business and how you get it out of your business. And there are specific laws around that and how it has to be managed. Quite frankly, the bottom line is, if you lose somebody's data, you've broken the law. Now, that might be human error. And if it's human error and you've got all of the boxes ticked and you are complying, then you can go to the ICO and say, please don't find me. Just to make you aware, the average fine is £140,000. Pocket change then. Awful, yeah. That's an awful lot of money. And we know there's been an awful lot of scaremongering around GDPR. Two years ago, in this space two years ago, the world had gone mad. People were telling lots of things that just weren't true. It's one of those things. Look at it from your personal perspective. If I left your personal data outlined about in my car and my car got stolen and your identity was stolen and your financial life was ruined because of it, that's my fault. And you would be, quite rightly, considerably miffed with me. Now, that's how you need to look at it. You have the responsibility to look after people. Okay, so taking that in context, how is that issue or that problem that you need to address specifically applied when you're talking about disaster recovery, which is, for example, if you work off a laptop and you're a one-man band, you're down for being able to work on your laptop, or if you've got an office of people, where, where does this GDPR thing fit into disaster recovery? And then we'll move on to the remote yeah, sure. Working um, for disaster recovery for GDPR, the most important thing to do is not to save anything locally to local drives, to your C drive, to your desktop, etc., etc. Get everything stored either on in a server somewhere or ideally on the cloud. The reason I say on the cloud is because you can then access it from anywhere at any time. But also, if it's on the cloud, typically you will have to sign in to get that information. And the way the law works is you need to have a, you know, you need to, your laptop to be password protected or your device to be password protected, and then you need a login in system to obtain that personal data. So those are the steps, the initial steps that you need to make. My top tip will be: do not save anything to desktops and laptops, because um, if somebody finds your desktop or laptop, it's gone. And also from a disaster recovery business continuity perspective, your business is gone. If you keep everything locally and you lose your laptop, for example, or you can't access it or it breaks, your business is gone. You've lost everything. And you mentioned passwords. When, when we talk about passwords, this is something quite often irks me, where they, they use password 01. You're talking proper passwords here. And how would you store those passwords as well uh, in order to well, keep a track of them? Okay, ideally, you don't store them in an ideal world. You don't store them. The best way, the most secure way it's been proven is to have a passphrase rather than a password. So something like, I don't know, I walk down the road to number 49. Okay. And then a hashtag 01 or change some of the letters for numbers, etc., etc., or symbols. That way then it makes it unique to you. And there is no real length on passwords anymore. People, you know, you, if anything, there's a minimum length, but they didn't generally tend to be a maximum length. So the most secure way to do it is to actually have a passphrase rather than a password. 
Um, if you have to store your passwords, if you have to, the safest way to do it is probably to store them on your phone, take a pic of them on your phone, make sure your phone is password protected and be able to access it that way, but destroy anything on paper is the biggest enemy of GDPR. So if you can get out of the habit of putting anything with personal data or anything sensitive on paper, you'll be making massive strides towards compliance. One thing we've had to do, Sarah, for, for our machines from a point of view of compliance is, um, you know, encrypting them. Yeah. So that they're encrypted. And I, I imagine a lot of people with home stuff haven't encrypted it. You can help people do that, can't you? Yeah, absolutely. We can look at everybody's situation. I think the thing also that probably isn't talked about enough is that every individual and every business is different. What will work for one person or one business may not work for somebody else. It's all about what you need to keep going. And it's all about understanding that, you know what, tech and IT is just a tool to do a job. But the job it needs to do for you will be different to the job it needs to do for your colleague or for the next business along in your business park, etc., etc. Getting some trust in place that does the job you need it to do actually saves so much time and money. And if you can get yourself into the mindset that security has to come first and you need to make sure that everything you're doing is right, at least then if you do have a breach and it's human error, you do have something to go back to the ICO with. With all this in mind, what sort of challenges are you likely to face then from working from home? You, you've, you've got an office, you're usually some based somewhere, whether it be moving around or being in the office and all of a sudden the government says you're not allowed out anymore. What, what kind yeah. of challenges are people going to be facing with that kind of instant? I think there's, there's two major challenges. The biggest challenge is broadband capacity because ultimately... If you're at home, the chances are you've got people around you as well. And these, the way we live is that everybody goes online for everything. So um, if your broadband capacity isn't that great, that one way to mitigate that is when you're in meetings or you need to go online to do Zoom or whatever it is, whatever medium you're using, literally say to the people around you, I need you to come off the internet for an hour, please. I need to get the broadband here into this bit because this is what's paying us and keeping us going. Um Equipment can be a challenge if your laptop isn't fit for purpose, for example, or if you have a laptop that you really just use on a domestic basis, it may not quite work for you. Also, as well, you may not have the latest updates installed on your web on your um, laptops. You may, you know, have loads of updates that need doing, but you can't be bothered to do because it takes up time, which is a very common scenario. Do them overnight because it's really important. For your security perspective as well, every update increases security and also you get the latest functions. And also being able to use things like Word, Excel, PowerPoint, etc. That can be a challenge in itself if you've got a home laptop because you don't generally use those day to day either. So it's making sure your laptop has the capacity and the capability to do what you need it to do. You don't. There are a lot of online solutions out there for office based suites, etc, etc. You don't necessarily have to buy software to make it work. It might just be that it's a bit of a tweak and we just adjust things as they go. Um, another thing, if you have an Office 365 account, if, all you, you know, if you have a basic Office 365 license, upgrading that license may give you a whole bunch of functionality that would really improve your working day and really help you. So investigate it and have a look and see what's out there. I think from that perspective, that's where we're seeing a lot of challenges is that the kit 
unfortunately isn't necessarily fit for purpose. And we're also finding that if companies have on-premise servers, so servers in the office, and you need to connect into that server, that can be done remotely. It can all be done. It can all be achieved. But you have to remember you're working with domestic grade equipment in your house. So it may be that we need to swap out a router somewhere along the line. It may be that we need to swap out a router in the office because actually you've never had to connect from home before and that office router may not be quite compatible to be able to do that. It's a case of actually doing a bit of a fact find, ensuring that we understand your unique situation and testing your equipment and seeing what we can do to make it work. I suppose I suppose the thing is from you know we're learning a lot at the moment but there is the sort of thought that this could go away for a bit and come back mm. in the autumn and I'm imagining it's a great time to sort of look at what you've you know what you've got what you can do for people and say right okay it's ready for the next time yep. this happens you know this could this could happen for a year 18 months where we're in for three four months absolutely and I think um you know it's a you fix it now, it's fixed, if that makes sense, until situations change. But if you can fix it now, um, I think if I could be a bit blase, and I really don't mean it to be, but I don't know how else to phrase it, the novelty of working from home now is starting to wear off. The reality now is starting to hit. People are starting to think, actually, this could be my world for a few months yet. Time to knuckle down now. Time to actually make this work. Time to actually get on with it and do what I need to do rather than thinking oh well it'll be over in a few weeks because quite frankly we don't know if it will be or we won't be putting you know putting plans in place now and getting infrastructure sorted now is you know it's a great thing to do it really is and it makes absolute sense to do it we're seeing that we've got clients already who are sort of talking about not going back to their offices after this is through I personally don't want to do that. I've got an office environment because I actually yeah. like working in amongst my team. Um, but I think, you know what, it is going to change how we work. It's going to change the face of business as we know it throughout the world, let alone throughout the UK. And it's going to be fascinating. I actually think it's going to open up avenues for a lot of people. I think people are going to start seeing how easy it is to communicate to the other side of the world and expand their horizons, which can only be a good thing. Um, talking about, obviously, talking virtually, um, most people at the moment are using Zoom as their medium to talk to people. My advice there would be, if you can, if your company can do it, actually upgrade to Zoom Pro. It's got far better security and Zoom has had a bit of a bad press in the last few weeks about people bombarding them and hacking them and bombing them. And, you know, if you have Zoom Pro, you can actually just enhance that level of security and it will give you much better peace of mind and it's got better functionality so if you're serious about doing virtual meetings you're serious about being online you're serious about moving your business forward then i'll genuinely it's it's about 12 pound a month but it'll be money really well spent here's what else you can find on the pod station the agenda i could get a bit cross in this you do not hear about healthy medics nurses and doctors dying of influenza this is killing our colleagues the pick hard talk one thing i didn't need to see was 25 versions of gerati's face on screen (laughs) just 200 faces of gerati's big cheeky face crying across the universe go fish don't get dragged down 
Well, the news. Your business will survive. Do the planning. Put yourself out there on social media. Make contact with people. Build relationships. And things will be okay. Check out all our shows exclusively on thepodstation.co.uk. It's a real investment to the business because you're opening up an opportunity for people to be able to work from home beyond this pandemic reason. So this is at the moment a necessity for many people, but actually it it can become uh, an optional benefit, whether it be to new members of staff who need that flexibility, whether it be to staff who don't always need to be there, whether it just be to give you the opportunity to work in a more flexible and, and productive way. For example, doing this, podcast we haven't had to drive anywhere we haven't had to meet anywhere so the the time saved in doing the traveling pays for itself really um so with that in mind and with that sort of setup being done obviously it it speaks to common sense that you do it properly you mentioned before about remoting in on on a server is there a way in which this needs to be done to ensure that going back to the gdpr there are no breaches people can't jump in midpoint in that sort of communication connection and and start accessing whatever it is that they want yeah absolutely but again it's a business by business solution if that makes sense um it's about securing the endpoints so it's about securing the connection into the router and then securing the connection from the router to the server the router will sit between the two so the traffic goes both ways and it's about ensuring that along the stages, everything's secure and that you actually have to input a password to get connection into the server. And that's how it's done, really, to keep everything secure. There is another side to this as well, and I'm sure Dave um, will um, be able to help me out here with this one, is that you know some companies do rely on legal documents and have to have legal signatures on, paper, oh, no, on documents, etc., to be able to work. There are obviously digital solutions out there. We are DocuSign experts, so if you need any help or support, please, please do get in touch with me. DocuSign is seen as a legally binding document. So if you're in a position now where you think, goodness me, I can't digitalise my solution, I can't digitalise my business, there may be a way around it, and we may be able to give you a solution that will allow you to do that. Yeah, I think we're finding... I think you're so right. People are going to be working in different ways, yeah. you know, going forward. And I mean, even already, I'm sort of thinking, yeah, why am I driving all week round to see these people? Which is great. Don't get me wrong. And you'll still do that. There's going to be some people you can actually just, you know, talk to on the screen. Um, And yet going forward, I think probably the lending industry and, you know, they're going to have to come into some sort of, you know, a wet signature isn't the way to do it. Yeah, they they are, and it's going to have to be that way, unfortunately. And you know what? It's exactly the same in the school environment. The schools now, we've gone from working with chalk and slate to pen and paper. We're now going over to a technical solution. Now, technical um, platforms are going to be used throughout every um, subject in the curriculum going forward. So some element of every every lesson that's taught, we use a laptop, we use a iPad will use some form of device. Um, And that's just evolution. That's just how it's going to go. It isn't going to go away. It's going to become more and more embedded into our lives and more and more embedded into how we are, just like pen and paper was. You have to think back to a time before pen and paper was available. What do people do? And we're now there with technology. 
and people are going to have to rethink. They're going to have to start thinking about different ways of doing things. The DocuSign is a fabulous product. I, I was in my former life as a lawyer. I was using it about five years ago for statements and for contracts, and I can categorically say that at no point in any of the court hearings or the trials or the cases that I dealt with, was it ever challenged as being a valid form of a legal document. In fact, it was actually considered in many cases more uh, legitimate because you have the metadata stamps in the background, which Absolutely. which confirm, yeah, you it. could say, yeah, when they opened the it, when they sent the it. Yeah, it's not actually the signature that confirms the legality, it's the data stamping in the back mm. of it yeah. that confirms the legality. Yeah, which absolutely. is quite an interesting part. It's quite interesting. It's quite fascinating, really. I think for people that, you know, our generation, etc., we didn't grow up with tech. We didn't grow up with this world. We grew up with the world of pen and paper and phone boxes and all of that thing. And actually, we're very privileged that we've actually been able to be part of both of the worlds. But we have to accept that mm -hmm. tech is the key here. And if we want to thrive, and we want to and we want to build and we want to grow if you can get your tech right and that doesn't mean expensive yeah. by the way i need, yeah. need to really say to reiterate that it doesn't mean it has to be expensive at all what it means is it needs to be configured properly so yeah. it can do what you need it to do then your business will thrive and you'll be safe and you'll be secure well i think already in our world on the, the sort of mortgage world you know there's been all that sort of news out there that lenders have stopped lending it's you know this is and the only reason why they sort of pulled some products and stopped lending was because they can't physically do evaluation no you know so they can't send a value out where if you look at someone like halifax they were always doing online valuations up to about 60 percent anyway so what they yeah. did they went away for a week and then decided right we're now going to do physical valuations up to 85% and brought all the products back out. Yeah. Now, they're ahead of the game because they've always done a lot of online valuations, but all the others are now starting saying, well, we need to start doing that because really, you know, if it is just a valuation on a property, the information's out there anyway. Of course it is. So this is just forcing them all to do things a bit different. So it's exactly the same in every other world, isn't it? It is. And, you know, it's fascinating because, you know, we work across all spectrums literally all spectrums we you know we it goes into every arena and we support in every arena we support from financial services which is very highly regulated right the way through to a mobile dog room so we have that vast knowledge and experience but the common thread through it all is you have to keep on thinking outside the box you have to keep on challenging yourself and saying is there a different way we could do that is there a better way we could do that? Just because that's how it's been done for 500 years doesn't mean it can't change. And actually, it might change for the better. And that's the scary bit, I suppose, really, is it, you know, it could actually change for the better. We've worked with a company who, um, they're a multi-generational company, and they wanted, to, um, they wanted to bring all their processes into one system. So they had five different systems, and they wanted to bring it into one. Now, the end, the end of that was that actually... If they, you know, they decided that they could probably lose a lot of staff out of that function, but they could redeploy them elsewhere. But actually, what that function gave them, what that software gave them, was complete visibility end to end of their whole business, which is something they'd never had or something they hadn't even considered they could ever achieve. 
it can all be done, but you've got to be able to be at the point where, first of all, you want to do it, and second of all, you're open to suggestions and you can open your mind up enough to think, actually, if we did that, how much value is that going to add? type of office support have you been provided to people or what type of ongoing support have you been giving to people who aren't tied to being stuck in the house so there's obviously essential workers so businesses yeah. that are still functioning outside of the confines of their four yeah. walls at home yeah. what sort of needs are they they expressing at the moment at the moment the ones that are still working as in key workers essential workers that are you know most things can be solved remotely, quite frankly. We have our system set up so that we can actually um, service our clients remotely so that we don't actually have to put them in danger by us going on site or they can't put us in danger by going in, into their company. Um, IT is very clever like that, as long as you've got the system set up properly. But what we're finding is, is that um, a lot more people now are working from home and they don't have that support they may have had in the company whereby they would have just said to the guy next to them, I'm stuck again, I don't know how to do that. And what I'd say is, please, please just ask for help because ultimately we all know what it's like if you can't get your IT to do what you need it to do, you sit there and it gets very frustrating. Um, what we've actually done to help and support people is we've actually... Um, we're, we're really promoting our ad hoc support service. So we're offering a service to anybody that would like it that it, it's not bound by contract and it's basically it's billed in 15-minute increments so you don't get a massive bill. Um, it's We say purchase two hours up front and then we draw down against it as and when you need it. And it's just that peace of mind of knowing some people actually are very need help around IT. They're very scared to say, I don't know what I'm doing. But truly and honestly... We do what we do because it's what we do. We couldn't do what you guys do, so please don't think you'd ever be judged because we know we couldn't do your jobs. I suppose one of the worst culprits are the people who have a little bit of knowledge um, and kind of fudge the way through. Uh, have you had any experiences where, I don't know, what's the best way of phrasing this, you have to unpick <laughs> the bad <laughs> sewing? Absolutely, and that's where I come in. And um, for you, those of you that don't know me, I am, you know, I work with all guys. So it's me and a technical team and a sales and marketing director who's also a guy. So that's where I get parachuted in to resolve the situation because I'm a lot more diplomatic than the guys. And um, it doesn't matter what's happened. It doesn't matter what's gone on. It's irrelevant, really. The bottom line is if you don't get it sorted, your business isn't going to to think about is doesn't really matter what pickle I'm in now. It's a bit like me driving into, reversing into the gatepost, isn't it, to be fair? <laughs> just, you know, it's no different. It, you know, And all the mechanics just laugh at you and go, I wouldn't have done that. Um, but it IT happens, will doesn't keep it? going, but it just needs to be good. It needs to be solid. And what kind of ongoing services do you provide that, again, are being called upon at this moment? Well, um, I think the biggest service we're actually delivering right here, right now, is actually enabling people to work from home. And that's still ongoing now. What, we're in week three now. That's still ongoing now. And um, because exactly what you just said, Mark, people have tried to do it and can't do it um, because they don't have the knowledge. It comes down to that simple fact. They don't have the knowledge of everything to be able to do it because they're linking domestic with commercial grade IT. And, you know, that can be very tricky. 
But um, so we're offering a lot of support around around that. But a lot of it is reassurance as well. A lot of it is reassurance that we're still going to be here and we're still going to be able to help and support. And it's actually um, people are now at the point now where they're deciding to continue as normal. And I think after Easter, this will come back in even stronger. So they want to carry on and they're sort of thinking, well, actually, this might be a good time to build my website. This might be a good time to reevaluate where I am with my IT. This might be a good time to start implementing those online processes. Might be a good time to migrate to an online solution. And we're starting to see that work come back through again now as well, which is great. I think you just have to keep on thinking forward. We ourselves in E2E, we, we, we are rebuilding our website at the moment. Um, because we've just taken the opportunity to do it because everybody's in one place more than quite frankly every we can get hold of everybody we're all in one place we all know where we are we're not all out to nine o'clock at night so we've got that opportunity to do it and um you know from a day-to-day how we're supporting how we're going forward we work really closely with all of them our companies and all of our companies and users and we work very closely with those guys direct if you actually phone us, you will get straight through to a tech and that tech will look, look, look after you from start to finish. So we've got a lot of very strong relationships built and it's a lot of reassurance with those guys, just making sure that they're okay. But being quite proactive as in contacting everybody as well and making sure that they're okay and, you know, they've got what they need. I suppose you're going to have a, quite people coming out of this and thinking, right, you know, we've gone away from having a little office at home because everything was mobile so thinking no i want to mirror my office now yeah at home. yeah so that yeah if i do want to stay at home a couple of days a week you know yeah i can do it and then, yeah. and then it is in place if something you know if you've got a lot of people living in your house a lot of people around you seriously think about having another phone line so you can have your own broadband yeah. in your office yeah. tell them to get outside and do their hours exercise <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah get out there. <laughs> yeah but you know what, success or failure of it will come down to the infrastructure of it. Out of this, I just wonder how the sort of main companies who are providing broadband are going to have to change a little bit. Because people are probably going to be looking for different solutions now, aren't they? Yeah, and I think what will happen is, you know, what probably isn't very commonly known is that there are specialist broadband companies out there that work with rural areas, for example. Um, you know, and specialist broadband companies that, actually specialise in one particular area, I think they're going to spread their wings a little bit. Because actually, I think what this has shown us is that our broadband companies could improve and they could offer a better service. And for them to do that probably wouldn't take an awful lot. But we're in a situation whereby, quite frankly, everything would just, everything goes through OpenReach and BT. Even if you use another provider, BT still own the infrastructure on that. So until that changes will be where we are unfortunately mm. and you know things like the 4g routers for example will come into their own and, obviously, ideal. and what type of businesses are you finding are most needing your support at this moment in time or which businesses i suppose it's two a two-part question really what what sort of businesses are finding it most beneficial to reboot their structures and their systems at the moment I think all businesses are looking on their laurels now. I think all businesses are actually really rethinking how they operate, how they mm. how they actually generate business and how they work. I think what this has shown is that anything's possible. And I think 
businesses traditionally that would say, oh, you can't work from home, it doesn't work with our business model, there's no way we can do it, are actually having to eat their words a little bit now. Um, I think the businesses typically that were doing that with, you know, the professional services more than anybody really. Um, and I think um, the people that are coming to us at the moment, businesses that are coming to us at the moment, are the ones that have never were, had anybody working from home. They've all been office-based and they don't understand how to get people working from home. Our clients that um, we were already servicing was quite a straightforward transition, really. It wasn't too difficult. But the companies that have never done it before, those are the ones that, you know, have, have needed a bit of help and support. What major tips would you give to people then right now to be either looking at or deciding what needs to be improved? Things that perhaps people can do quickly and easily to resolve a situation and, and which tips would you particularly focus on where they need to get in the experts like yourself? Um, I think actually things that you can do for yourself is things like ensuring that your laptops are password protected, your devices are password protected, and you're not leaving paperwork lying about at the end of the day. I think that from a security GDPR perspective is the best thing you can do alongside not saving anything locally. But ultimately, if you don't have a cloud-based solution, I would say have a look at cloud-based solutions. We always recommend Office 365 for businesses just because they um, it just works and it's really well thought out really well thought out and it just gives you everything that you need and that's something you can do yourself online you, you know you can just do everything you want online please don't fall into the trap though of, of buying additions on things because ultimately it's going to be a business account so you know if you've got a home account and you're using it for business you're in breach of that license and you don't want that pain coming down on your head so I'd say, you know, from a, yourself, from a perspective, there's stuff you can do. You can look at things, have a look online, see how you can get more secure, more stable. And from a laptop perspective, get your updates done. Get your laptop as best as it can be. Get stuff cleared off of it that can pop up all the time. It, for example, just close them all down, get them all closed off. And get your laptop back to business grade rather than domestic grade. And obviously the last one's broadband. Yeah, which so Dave clearly needs to invest in because we've lost him. Yeah. <laughs> he's dead he's gone oh no gone. bye dave, <laughs> bye, dave. Um, that's fantastic uh, oh is he back i think we've got dave back we may have dave back he needs to pedal harder with the bike go on dave, go on, dave. keep going it's like the little engine that could there he Yay! is Woo! he's back how are you dave no gone again <laughs> bless him Oh, well, we'll wrap it up anyway. If Obviously, there's an awful lot for people to digest. Um, yes. Probably, as is often the case, people will think, oh, I'm fine, or they won't realise what it is that they actually yeah. need until they need it. So yeah. if they do suddenly have an epiphany and decide that they do need your services, uh, where can they find you? Um, well, you know, I'll share my mobile. 07791 Give me a call. Happy to help. Happy to offer advice, happy to support in any way. And if it just needs a conversation, that's absolutely fine. Please don't worry. Okay. And email, if they're looking for an email or a website? Yeah, email is sarah.webs. So that's S-A-R-A-H dot W-E-B-B at E 
2E, so that's the letter E, digit 2, letter E, hyphen integration.co.uk. Website is re- being rebuilt at the moment. We have a holding page, though, where all our contact details are. And that's e2e-integration.co.uk. Brilliant. And can they find you on social media if they want to give you a follow? Um, something we're building at the moment, to be honest with you. We are on LinkedIn. We don't, um, we're about to um, embark on Twitter. Oh, good so, luck. Um, something we're not doing at the moment. But yeah, we are on LinkedIn, so you can find us on LinkedIn as well. Okay, well, thank you very much for joining us, Sarah. You've been fantastic. Hopefully everyone has found it it extremely useful. Dave seems to be dipping in and out. He's toying with our emotions as to whether or not he's (laughs) going to be back. Uh, We'll have to assume that he might not be. Hopefully you found this first uh, business spotlight useful. Hopefully this will showcase what it is that we're trying to achieve. If you want to be on the show if you want to nominate your business because you have an area of expertise much the same as Sarah obviously when I say much the same as in the same kind of expertise not the same kind of trade because that'd just be silly wouldn't it Sarah Um, (laughs) then uh, you can send an email to spotlight at thepodstation.co.uk we will then get in touch with you and we can book you in Um, there's a few questions that we tend to ask just to make sure that it's something that's going to be of benefit but uh, yeah um, all businesses are welcome as long as you're based in the UK outside the UK has a limited benefit to our listeners generally Um, you can find us on the pod station on Facebook Twitter LinkedIn Instagram so if you want to give us a follow on them we often give posts and information out there which would be useful and you can find all the other shows as well Uh, we've lost Dave we won't give him an opportunity to say goodbye but on his behalf dave thank you very much for all your hard work sarah thank you very much for your time hopefully it's been of interest to you and uh, we'll catch you very soon no doubt thanks for having me mark it's been an absolute joy and we're here to help seriously if you need some help please do just get in touch fantastic well thank you very much and we'll uh, we'll catch you next time guys thanks mark if you'd like to submit your business to be on the show simply email spotlight at thepodstation.co.uk or message us on social media at the podstation on facebook instagram linkedin and twitter check out all our shows exclusively on thepodstation.co.uk